Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to The Dead Parent Club Podcast, a podcast designed to open up the conversation surrounding grief and to ensure young grievers feel less alone. I'm Catherine Hooker and I speak with young adults from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. The good, the bad and the banter. And also about celebrating, celebrating big things and little things. I think that um, some people are kind of opposed to that or they think it's um, bragging to talk about Mm -hmm. something going well for them. And in my view, it's like, we have to celebrate anything good (laughs) always. (laughs) Like, at any time, why not? Like, you don't have that much time. And it's not like a, it's not like I feel like I'm racing against time or anything. Um, I just like to stop and appreciate the moment. Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Dead Parent Club podcast with writer Alex Zappala. Alex lost both of her parents to cancer by the age of 15 and was brought up thereafter by her older sister. In this episode we discuss the impact that this had on her friendships and her life as a teenager and how her experiences put her on her chosen career path as a psychotherapist. We also discuss how we, as young adults who have lost people close to us, live our lives in the acknowledgement that losing someone close to us is always a possibility how this prompts us to celebrate the big and the small things in life as these moments are so precious. Alex also speaks about the difficult and awkward conversations she had to have with people when planning her wedding and how this experience led to the creation of her Instagram platform, Grief Unspoken. Alex was so lovely to speak to and I think you will all love this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and write a review if you enjoy the podcast as this helps us on our mission to reach more young adults grieving the loss of a parent. Stay safe everybody and speak soon. Thank you so much for coming on to, um, to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it'd be fab. You've done quite a few lately, haven't you? Kind of coming on to uh, yeah. people's shows and stuff. And yeah. yeah, you must be. I saw your post on Instagram this morning about um, how your grief st- stories kind of like become like it's like a presentation. Like you've just like, yeah, kind of memorize it. I was like, oh my God, I can resonate with that massively. <laughs> yeah, even, even just in like casual conversation, if you have to tell somebody. 
Mm. I just think it's like we have kind of a like quick way to get it out. Yeah, it just kind of rolls off your tongue now, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always the same because like I went on to um, the Grief Gang. She did like a live podcast, a live Instagram thing a few weeks ago. And it was the first time somebody had kind of asked me my story in forever. Because obviously I'm always on the other side of like the interview. Yeah. And I kind of froze and I was like, oh, I, um, yeah, I mean, my mum died. And I, I'd kind of forgotten how to kind of get it out in the way that I usually would have done. Because, you know, you just haven't been asked in so long. It was so strange. Yeah. Um, well, if you wouldn't mind then, you know, going into um, your story and telling the listeners your grief journey. Yeah, sure. So um, my grief journey started when I was eight years old. Um, When I was eight, my dad was diagnosed with esophageal cancer, which if you know anything about esophageal cancer, there's not much early screening for it. So by the time he was diagnosed, there was no uh, possible treatment. Um, And it was more just about palliative care and making him comfortable. So he died three months later. So that was very rapid and sudden, you know. Yeah, um, for such a young girl as well. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. It's something that I've been working through with writing, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure what I understood mm-hmm. um, of what was going on. But I do remember asking my mother, you know, is he going to die? And her, yeah. her telling me that he, he was. So yeah. there was... Um, they tried to be, I think they tried to at the same time be transparent, but also protect me a little bit. And I was yeah. kind of away from it somewhat. Did you um, have any siblings? Yes. So I have an older sister. Um, so she was about like 19 or 20 at the time. Okay. Yeah. So she's quite a bit older than me and um, something that would really work out for us later. Yeah. I bet. Um, yeah. So, and then I think it was about 11 months later that my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Couldn't write it, could you? No, I mean, it's, it seems so unheard of. And that's the mm. interesting thing is I've only connected with other people who it's happened to mm. on the internet. Yeah. In real life, I've never you know, met anybody, but I know yeah. people out there. But um, yeah, I mean, she was so uh, dedicated to taking care of him and also taking care of her two children who were such different ages. Yeah, um, they cry such different levels of like mothering, don't they? <laughs> which is something I only have like recently started to think about, but um, yeah, she was so, um, I mean, you know, she was grieving, which is also something that I don't think I totally understood as a kid, that she was now a widow and having- Why aren't you normal? Right, and um, yeah, so I think she just was not focused on whatever was going on with her because she was so busy taking care of everybody else and then she was diagnosed, Mm. but, her uh, battle with it was much longer. Um, so she lived for about five years. Wow. And um, I think she, she, you know, she went into remission at one point um, and then it came back and was just kind of all over at that point. Um, and that was a couple weeks before I turned 15. So that was also um, pretty shocking for me because I, I think as much as I was familiar with death and I knew that it was possible to lose her like I had lost him, you get so used to living with somebody who's sick that it's yeah. sort of, you kind of don't let yourself go ahead to oh, yeah. another possibility. You just yeah. live in that. I think people kind of have the presumption that because you've been told that your parent has cancer, you kind of 
during that time when they're ill, you process the idea of them dying. Mm-hmm. Or if they're diagnosed terminal, you process the fact they're going, they're going to die. But that's, that's not the case. That's never the no. case. Because why would you want to sit there when the person's still alive and in your head be like, yeah, they're, they're going to die at some point. Like nobody wants to do that. So you just don't. Right. No, and I, and I, I had already had the experience once and still couldn't mm. process that idea. Um, I didn't think that she would, I thought that she would see me graduate from high school. I didn't, you know, that was, and I was just starting high school. Um, so I think I was preoccupied with my own things that I had going on. And yeah, <laughs> the pressures. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, and then she died about, I think it was like two months into my, my uh, freshman year of high school. Um, yeah. I can only really imagine, like, how like completely world rocking that is like traumatizing my um after my mum died my dad also got diagnosed with cancer so I, I understand how that can you know you can you kind of feel very why the hell is this happening to me they can feel like you're being targeted like by the world in such an awful way mm-hmm. um yeah I'm, I'm grateful so far my dad's recovered and is okay at the moment but you know it's always a thing the things with cancer is that it's like a a beast that somehow always finds a way to return um so it's kind of like living on that line of knowing that at some point it it will come back and I know that it will um Mm -hmm. but I can I can imagine as as a teenager you must have had a lot of those like angry resentful feelings towards what's happening to you yeah I think I I felt like this is so unfair and how could this how can this even be possible? Mm. Um, yeah, you do feel like you're being, you know, like, yeah, attacked by like the universe or something. <laughs> what did um, I do wrong? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, you also don't know anything else. That's your only reality. So it can kind of um, leave you with this impression that that's just what life is. Mm don't have much else to go on that's your only experience is having these you know and and I know that this isn't the case for everybody but I had these really great relationships with my parents and my parents also had a really great marriage a really great relationship so it was a really happy home so all I really knew was having this happiness and then having it totally taken away yeah Um, yeah and then also you know having peers that couldn't understand was very very frustrating at the time yeah no I, I can completely imagine um what was it like with your mum during that period like did she did she talk to you about what you could do if you know with both of them gone what life was going to be like for you I do not think that we prepared too much for that I don't I don't mm. remember I mean maybe we did I don't remember this is another thing I have a, a big problem with memory um, yeah. from those years I think that part part of it is just being a kid and you don't remember everything from your childhood and then part of it is like this sort of protective yeah like, I understand that. Off. Um, I don't recall any like distinct conversations I know we had a lot of conversations right before she died because what happened is she must have noticed that she was having um, symptoms of just decline and I don't know that she was telling me about them. I remember her telling me something and then um, saying, you know, I have to go to the doctor and find out what's going on. And she went 
in to see her oncologist and they told her, you know, maybe you have like three months. She came home from that appointment and she died one week after that appointment. Oh my God. So when I think about that, like lack of preparing, you know, there were things that we wanted to do and we were going to have her get the, um, the breast cancer gene test, the BRCA test, and she yeah. didn't have time to. So we, I think we were anticipating having a little bit more time with her. I do know yeah. that in the last week, just as we watched the rapid decline, you know, I had some conversations with her, but I think that she was probably, you know, really worried about leaving us. But at the same time, I think she knew that my sister and I would take care of each other. I mean, how blessed to have a sister that's, you know, a fair bit older than you that, you know, can... I suppose a lot of pressure for her as well to kind of become that motherly parental figure. Yeah, I, I didn't, I don't think that I had quite that much appreciation for it at the time. Yeah. Um, I think I was just trying to hang on to any, any shred of normalcy. And now I'm turning the age that she was. I'm turning 26 this year, which is how old she was when she became my guardian. So sometimes I wow. step back and picture like, what if... Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine? <laughs> raise a fifteen-year-old now. Um, yeah, I don't think I totally appreciated that at the time, but I'm, yeah. I'm appreciating it more and more all the time now. Yeah, I mean that's lovely though the fact that you can get older and yeah, I'm sure you, I bet you tell her all the time now, or at least you know she, I bet she knows you know how appreciative you are because yeah, I um had a, a guy onto the podcast a few months ago who also lost both, both of his parents by the age of 15. He became like a ward of the state. He was 15 years old. And, you know, I think losing a parent is one thing and having nobody to fill that role even slightly mm-hmm. must be just so, so like scary. Yeah, but, um, imagine that. Yeah. So, I mean, he was a, honestly, he's a great guy. Like hats off to him. He's amazing. But um, did your sister then, was she living with you at the time or did you then have to move in and she had moved back home she had been living elsewhere and she moved back in a few months before yeah and yeah and so that was that's something that i was really really grateful for that i didn't have to move i didn't have to go to a new school i could keep some sense of normalcy yeah so what was it like with your relationship with your with your friends then um like (laughs) you know i can imagine being 15 16 anyway is so hard with friendships and stuff and like Mm -hmm. adding you know, one sick parent or dead parent and adding two into the mix. I can imagine, did they even, did they speak to you about it? Did they have those conversations? From what I remember, see, this was really, I don't think that, I grew up in a very small community, went to a very small school. Um, I had known everybody since I was five. Um, and I don't think that my peers had been introduced to death very much. I don't think mm. that there had been a ton of tragedies in the community that it made it a thing that um, kids were, were used to or had been introduced to yet. So it was, I think it had a big emotional impact on other students. Yeah. Something that I remembered hearing was that um, other kids I think some friends of mine went to see the guidance counselor at school when my mother died I wasn't there because I wasn't in school and I remember at the time feeling um really um almost like defensive of the loss like I didn't understand why other people were seeking support for my that's my loss (laughs) right I see now that I'm older that was probably scary for them and um Mm. 
thinking about like the high emotions at that age, like 14, 15. Mm. Um, but it was hard. I think that, um, I think that, you know, people didn't know how to talk to me about it because adults don't really know how to talk about it. So yeah, preach <laughs> a 14 year old know how to support somebody, especially yeah. if it hasn't been their experience. So, um, you know, I think that my friends, I think probably the best thing that they did that they could have done at the time was they treated me like I was normal and like my my life was normal like theirs, even though mm -hmm. it wasn't, and even mm -hmm. though I wasn't. Um, and I had a pretty supportive group of friends throughout high school. It wasn't, oh, right. I didn't turn to them to talk about it, but I think where, what I got from, from that, from those friendships was just a sense of normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? When, um, when you have a, a great loss like that, you kind of, what you want is for people to treat you the same, but at the same time in your head, you're kind of a bit like, my parents have died. Like, why? Like, treat me differently at the same time like you don't know what you want do you it's so hard yeah I, I remember feeling exactly like that really stuck between the two and I think it's something I've been able to reconcile a little bit more over time mm. and maybe part of that is just the um being more open about it yeah has helped me to feel less um less stuck there yeah because I think it's one of them where if we don't talk about it like how can we expect our peers and our family to feel comfortable talking about it in front of us like you know it's difficult yeah so who did you end up turning to then was it mainly your sister yeah I think I think you know even to this day she's the only other person who uh just intimately knows the experience especially because we lost yeah. the same people yeah. even though at the same time I recognize that our experiences with losing them are so different because age was such a um, plays such a part in, in the experience of loss, I think, because it plays such a big role in how you view the world yeah. and what you know and what your responsibilities are at that time in your life. Um, so even though it was quite different, we still lost those same two parents. Um, so I turned to her a lot and um, I did go to therapy, which was something that was helpful for me. I know it might not be for everybody. Yeah. Um, but that was a helpful outlet for me because I, I couldn't, I could go to school and get the like sense of normalcy or, or some semblance of that, but I couldn't get that, um, the support for the actual grief there. Yeah. Yeah. Which you definitely need more than anything as you get older, I think yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. So how do you think this whole experience thing has kind of shaped your life since then? Because obviously you've had so many huge milestones, like graduating from high school and college and you're like choosing what career you go into and everything like it just has a huge like dominoes effect doesn't it on everything that you do it's interesting because it's hard to i wrote about this recently that when when you start to experience grief in childhood it's kind of hard to remember life without it mm. um my memories before eight years old are so few um that this is kind of to, to examine how it's impacted my life is, is kind of challenging because it's, it sort of feels like, well, it's impacted everything. It's all I've ever known. From almost the beginning. Yeah. Um, I think that it makes me, I think that it makes me recognize that life is short. I think that anybody who experiences loss starts to recognize that and recognize that, you know, I'm not invincible. Um, but I think it, 
it gives me a certain kind of drive that I might not have otherwise had. It's hard yes. to say. Again, yes. I don't know what life would have been like without losing them. But um, I think that I don't wait for people to tell me I can do something that I want to do. I sort of just go ahead and do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, yeah, I just, it's about not waiting, I guess. And, um, and also about celebrating, celebrating big things and little things. I think that um, some people are kind of opposed to that or they think it's um, bragging to talk about mm -hmm. something going well for them. And in my view, it's like, we have to celebrate anything good <laughs> always. Like at any time, why not? Like, this yeah. is, you don't have that much time. And it's not like a, it's not like I feel like I'm racing against time or anything. Um, I just like to stop and appreciate the moment. And well, I think, I think it's because you know that life can be so difficult. And like when you've experienced that level of like low mm -hmm. and just not, not kind of feeling anything happy or celebratory, like when, any, when anything does happen like that, I think you just feel, you feel everything twice as much as you would have done before. Yes, I definitely think it makes the, it makes the good stuff better. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, and I, yeah, it's maybe not so much about feeling like uh, the time that we have here is so short, but maybe just that things can change so quickly. Yeah. That within, you know, one day to the next, somebody could get a diagnosis, there could be an accident, something could go wrong. And I think that when you've experienced a lot of grief, you live very close to that edge where that seems possible. Whereas maybe other people, it seems so abstract to think about a death happening in their yeah. lives. <laughs> far away, like, oh, that would be terrible. That doesn't happen. That doesn't really happen to me, though. And for us, it's so right there. Yeah. I think that, that non-impact how you live. Yeah, I feel like that's why people that haven't experienced the loss find it so difficult to talk to us about it though as well, because they don't want to think about that. They, the idea of losing somebody close to them is something that just won't happen, that they just didn't even want to acknowledge the fact that it's happened to other people because all of it's too painful. Yeah. So you're a tra are you training to be a psychotherapist now or are you a I'm psychotherapist you're in training yeah real so like do you think that obviously then what's happened to you as a child has kind of put you on that path to choose that career then i think so i mean i think that there's certain parts of i've always been a, an empath i would say and I, I think that i've been that way since i was um, really really young but I don't know that I would have quite the same drive to make that my life's work yeah to help people yeah. Um, and I, I'm sure I'll work with people um, 
struggling with issues outside of grief and loss. Yeah. But I do think, and I don't think it's, you know, it's not like it's absolutely necessary to have had that experience to be able to help somebody with it in therapy. But I do think it adds a certain type of empathy that maybe you can't, um, you can't learn, you can't train for, you can only Definitely. have from your experience. Definitely. And I think with like grief and loss comes with, you know, a lot of people experience all the other you know, mental illnesses that, that come with that. I know, you know so many people, myself included, that have struggled with anxiety and depression afterwards just because everything's just been turned upside down for you. And, you know, I think we've, we like kind of certainty in our lives and we like knowing what's going to happen. And I think those kind of events just make us so hyper aware of how bad things can go that we've become so scared until we realize that actually life is for living and for taking and you know that's when you kind of become that celebratory person that just is so grateful for everything yeah yeah absolutely it does just have such a huge impact it's it's crazy and obviously you have your own kind of grief platform as well on instagram and you know you do quite a lot of talks on grief and things like that is that something that you recently started or you know was it something that you kind of realized that you could do to kind of make a difference to other people in this community or kind of is it something that's been ongoing for a while I would say that um I mean I only started the Instagram I think it was last July maybe um and at the time I didn't have a big plan for what I wanted to do with it I didn't set out to um necessarily create a platform it was more of like a um like an online diary I think yeah. I needed to go somewhere and like unleash some stuff yeah um because i was getting ready for my wedding and i was thinking a lot about a lot about um how grief plays into that i don't think that i had totally expected it because i actually had already gotten i'd gotten married in 2018 but we had done like city hall just like a civil ceremony it wasn't like a big wedding yeah and then we were planning to do like the big oh lovely traditional ceremony the party (laughs) yeah and um And I think, you know, that day that we had gotten, you know, really married was (laughs) was bittersweet. But I think that there's so much pressure that goes into planning a big wedding party and so many moving parts and so much of it involved me explaining to the different people involved. And I had, I was very fortunate. I had wedding planners and they were very helpful, but I had to talk to other people involved, like the officiant or different vendors and it was just a lot of these awkward explanations. Yes. Of, no, they won't be there. Like, no, like mom, dad won't be doing this. It's oh, that's so gross. <laughs> you just have to kind of like keep doing that. And so on one hand, feeling renewed grief because I'm really having to confront the fact that they're not going to be there. And then on oh. the other hand, dealing with this awkwardness. And that was also part of what drove me to start talking about it more publicly is like the having had so many awkward encounters where people just don't know what to do with it. Some people mm-hmm. take it pretty well and other people it's like, it totally halts the conversation. Oh, I hate that. That's the worst thing. Off. It's terrible. Um, which is so funny because I actually think that when people have had a lot of experience with grief, their reaction isn't very big. The reaction's mm. really like, yeah, it's kind of like more subdued. Yeah. But when somebody's shocked, it's, it's a whole oh, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry for even bringing it up. I didn't realize. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
so that was, yeah, that was what got me to start posting about it. But when I started writing about it online, it was more of, um, it was, yeah, it was more just a place to unleash. And then over time, once I started connecting with people, I thought, you know, I could actually write from a place of service mm. and see what parts of my experience, rather than maybe putting on every single detail of my experience, what parts might be, uh, might resonate with other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the grief community now is just huge. I mean, you've probably seen it yourself just from being in it since last summer. Like yeah. it's just growing and growing and it's amazing. You know, I think the things that we would have done and like that you would have done when we were younger to have had that kind of community online and to see that everything that you were feeling was completely normal. I mean, can you imagine having that access like at your fingertips it would have been amazing. Yeah, it is incredible. I've, yeah, I've even, I didn't, you know, I made the account before the wedding and, um, and then I sort of like slowed down. I think I had a lot I needed to just mm. get out there. And then I sort of took a step back and then thought more about what I wanted to do with it. Um, and I felt a drive to start connecting more with people. But um, I only really started pretty consistently back in February. And yeah. even since then, I've seen so many people like join in the conversation. It's incredible. Yeah. Do you, um, do you find it quite mentally taxing at times, you know, having having that space, there's a kind of pressure on you to, to, to create content, basically, mm. just in general, you know, and even if that pressure isn't actually active from like your followers and people in that community, you put it on yourself a lot. I mean, that, that's something that I struggle with anyway. Yeah, I, I think I don't, I don't say anything that I don't mean. And I don't share anything to be like, Oh, I have to post something. Yeah. Um, I, for some reason, it was like, once I opened this portal of writing about grief, it just started flowing. Yeah. But if there's a day that I'm like, I don't have it in me today, I'm a very busy grad student. I'm also just a human being who needs yeah. rest. Sometimes I just won't. I just won't say anything. Um, I think that it's helpful to exercise some boundaries. So just choosing like, okay, this block of time, I'll yeah. check dms or like look at comments and, and talk to people because i love that connection but yeah it's it's social media is such a tricky thing because it's so hard it can be so beautiful these connections and conversations i've had with people that i never would have met otherwise mm. it's, i'm so grateful for it at the same time you can't be you know staring at a screen well yeah exactly <laughs> the thing is is that i could sit on like the DPC Instagram account all day. I, I easily could, and you're know, creating content and getting to know people and replying to messages and stuff. But it's like you say, you have to set yourself boundaries. And um, I found that for myself, I don't go on my phone past eight o'clock at night. I just put my phone away and that's it because I'll just get lost. And then um, with like replying to messages and stuff that come into my DMs, I'll probably do it two or three times a week. I've tried to not feel that pressure to reply to people as soon as they message me. I try right. and like, do it every couple of days and then just do sometimes I'll be sitting on the sofa and I'll get this sudden like push to be like right okay, I'm gonna do it now I feel in a good space to reply to all mm -hmm. of these messages and then I'll do it but um it is it is hard kind of being the facilitator for that for those spaces you know it's mm -hmm. it's difficult but it is such a beautiful thing and I think I'm so blessed to get to know people like you and other people that have you know built these spaces on Instagram and on Facebook and stuff because it's just so nice to see people coming together and you know they're all on the same path like to try and make grief just more accessible and 
spoken about more. Yeah, it's definitely a thing that it's not, um, you know, I would hope, I mean, this goes for anything, but I would hope that nobody out there would go, oh, there's enough people talking about it. Like, <laughs> I, what's the point of me joining the conversation? It's like, this voices amplify it. So like anyone who, you know, it's, I walk this fine line of talking about the importance of sharing grief and then also recognizing that it's not going to be helpful for everybody to talk about. Um, I recently had somebody ask me, they were thinking about starting an account and asking, you know, what, what led me to do that. And, and I was honest, I didn't start it to um, just be of service. And I think yeah. if you're only doing it to help other people and not because it also feels good for you. Yeah. You'll just be sort of like pouring from an empty cup, but anyone who wants to, it's like, please, please join in because it, it does, um, it just becomes more and more normalized. Yeah, definitely. Have you kind of noticed a difference at all in the way that um, people from like America talk about their grief and UK people like myself, is there a difference in the way that people deal with their grief or even just how open they are about it? I don't know about in like not online. I don't know yeah. if I could compare because again, I've only connected with people from the UK online, but yeah. from the moment I started the Instagram, I realized that most of the Instagram accounts that I was finding on grief are from the UK. Yeah. Which I'm like, why are we, we must be behind. <laughs> and they are out there and they're growing. But I, I did, that really struck me. Um, and I thought it was so funny because I've always said mom, not mom. Okay, like, really? It sounds so unnatural to me. And I've always written it M-U-M since I was a little kid. Oh, interesting. And I that I'm writing mom and I'm like, people probably think I'm also from the UK. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another UK grief account, for goodness sake. <laughs> It's so true because that is something that I've that I've noticed. Um, I get quite a few messages from people from the US, and they say like, "Oh, you know, it's been so refreshing to come across this page because nobody from where I'm from speaks about it, and I can can't yeah. find anything anywhere." But I've mm -hmm. found all these UK pages, and I'm like, "No problem." <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know why that is, but interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I mean, like you said, there are more and more pages from from the US popping up which is you know fab I mean it's, it's just so cool I, I look at my uh, podcast statistics and stuff and I see that I think the, nearly the majority of my listeners are from the US and I'm like wow I kind of mm. you know I kind of always thought that it would just I could when I started I could never envisage it being, even being outside of the UK um so yeah I think it's amazing that you know we can reach people from just like all over the world and like right now we're like so far away from each other but you know we've got so much in common so it's amazing yeah. I know I love that um, so one of my kind of final questions for you is like, do you think that it's changed your attitude towards your life and the way that you kind of attack it? Hmm. Um, yeah, I would say that, I would say that I, you know, like I was saying about celebrating, I appreciate everything. I appreciate, you know, I'm not saying every day. It's not like I walk around and <laughs> like, constant state of gratitude <laughs> <laughs> um but i think you i think i have more appreciation for things being boring and stagnant i know like right, right now people some people it's very frustrating i understand that um but i think just no me knowing that everyone in my life is healthy and everyone's good is is more than enough um and anything else is just awesome but i um yeah i think i I just go for the things that 
anything that lights me up, I just want to go near that and not waste time wondering if it's something that I'm worthy of or that I, um, I should do right now or put off. I think that, yeah, I think it's, it changes, uh, it's changed my drive. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any kind of exciting plans for your page or like anything that you kind of hope to achieve from it? I mean, I guess that I, you know, I am working on a book and I do hope to publish that at some point. I'm, I'm, it's not something I'm in a rush for because mm-hmm. again, I'm also um, getting ready to graduate next <laughs> spring from grad Huge. school. So that's a lot and I'm starting clinical work. So that's, that's also, that's um, something else I'm really focused on. But I do yeah. want the book to happen at some point. Um, but I don't want it to be, it's not an ego project for me. It's not something that um, I, you know, just think I'm so important that everybody needs to hear every detail of my story. But again, yeah. that I think that maybe there's a way that I could pull elements of my story out that could be helpful for other people to read. And I know that's something that will not be for everybody, but reading books about other people's experience was something that was helpful for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's similar to this podcast, you know, the reason that I kind of created it is because people find comfort in listening to other people's stories. And it's just kind of the way that we are. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's my, that's sort of not, not an end point by any means, but that's, um, that's probably the biggest thing that I hope, um, you know, people who like reading what I'm posting now or who are on my email list and like the excerpts I'm sending would potentially be interested in reading the book. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's really exciting. Looking forward to finding out more after you've kind of gone through this huge, big life, um, like changes there, you know, working full time and, and crossing your degree and stuff. That's so exciting. Um, my final question is what advice would you give to somebody else who has perhaps also lost both of their parents similarly to you and you know they're young perhaps in their late teens early 20s um i don't know that this is a piece of advice but i would start by saying that it won't always be like this you won't always feel like this um I can't know what the nuances and details of everybody else's life, but I would like to think that, you know, I would say you will find some happiness again. Um, And I say that from experience of really not thinking that that would be possible for me, Um, especially after my mother died, especially just taking in this reality of not having any parents and um, just raising a lot of existential questions about my life and what it meant and if I would ever be happy again. Um, and you know as much as I talk about grief and it seems like that might be all that my life consists of because (laughs) the platform is about you know I would say your life will be about so much more than grief and you can still you can still have a happy life even give space brilliant thank you so much um I really appreciate your time today. Uh, I know it's probably quite early for you, so <laughs> hopefully, this, hopefully this has set you up for a, for a productive day anyway. <laughs> yes. Well, you're so wonderful at this. I mean, I've heard you before, but I feel like I know you and <laughs> first time we've ever spoken. So this is really oh, well, thank you so much. I mean, that you know, it's, um, it's something weird for me. I never thought that I would feel comfortable 
talking to people that I've never met before, never had conversations with before about something so deep and personal. But I think it's just like, because you understand that kind of feeling straight away, it's just, it's just such an easy conversation to have. You, know, you never, I never would have expected it. Yeah, it is like the great connector, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think I would love if like, it'd just be a miracle if one day everybody in this grief community could all just like meet us somewhere in the world and just I just imagine what it would be like because I just think there'd be so much happiness and people just I feel like you'd you'd just feel like yourself straight away which is such an amazing feeling yeah we'll have to do something (laughs) imagine it'd just be amazing (laughs) it would be so good like a virtual party or just something I think it would just be absolutely incredible and yeah there's power in numbers isn't there I think just knowing that none of us are alone with however we're feeling is literally the best thing in the world so well thank you so much I really hope that you have a lovely day and yeah I can't wait to kind of find out more about your book and stuff as time goes on I think that'll be really good Your, your writing is absolutely brilliant so I'm sure it'll benefit a lot of people thank you so much thank you for having me my pleasure Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast. I so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today. As always, I would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto the show are healthcare professionals. Therefore, if you do find yourself struggling with your grief, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help, whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at DPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dpcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show or to write a blog for us as well. Coming onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening. And we'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.